I am. I don't know about you, but this is this is what we do church for. This is why we exist. It's why church matters. It's why it still matters. Can we say amen to that. Can we thank the Lord for that? I uh, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go ahead and go right into the message. Is that all right with you guys? Like, come on, take a seat. Good to have you. Welcome. Welcome to New Life Church. I'm so grateful that you're here. Can we just say one more time, thanks be to the Lord for changed lives. Can we just celebrate one more time with people who were baptized this morning? Thank the Lord. I don't have a final count yet, but it'll be over 100 people that came to faith and baptism at all of our congregations today. And I just was thinking during this, watching this, that COVID can't stop the gospel, right? The spirit of God is able to penetrate and move no matter what happens around us. And people are responding. I just love the story that Pastor Daniel told a minute ago. A family watching online at 9 o'clock heard about baptisms and came to the 11 to get baptized. And I want to remind all of you that are watching online that we're grateful that you've tuned in today. We're grateful that, this, that my message that's coming from the church is reaching you in your homes and your apartments. So welcome today. Uh, by the way, we didn't receive an offering, but I just trust you with all that. All right? and so y'all, y'all know we have to keep the lights on and stuff. So there's four ways to give. And you are a generous church, so give a lot, all right? So this week, that's my offering message to you today. Turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. And starting this week, and probably for the next seven, six or seven weeks, we're going to walk line by line, scripture through scripture, through the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to discover, again, what it means to pray like Jesus. And so I want to remind you that what the world needs right now is not an angry church. The world needs a praying church. The world needs a church that has rebirthed itself through prayer. We need a church that is not afraid of intercession. We need a church that's not afraid of coming before the Lord with petitions and prayers and requests. We need a church that's fervent in our prayers. We need to rebirth ourselves, to regain our zeal and our passion for coming before the Lord. And in Matthew chapter 6, that what's fascinating about where this scripture is, so if you know the Bible, so Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7 make up the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever told. What's fascinating about this is that Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13, is in the very center of the Sermon on the Mount the very center part of the sermon. So it's almost like God says, I want prayer to be the center of everything. And so in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is in the middle of teaching a large group of people, and he pauses here to give us very practical, very prophetic ideas about prayer. And my hope is, is that maybe you've grown weary in your prayer time. I pray today that the Lord would give you fresh wind, fresh fire, to pray like you never prayed before. Or maybe today you're in the middle of interceding and praying and calling on God and you are feeling the wind of the Spirit as you pray. And I pray today that that would only increase. That you would feel the strength of the Spirit as you pray over your family, your friends. Maybe you're praying over our nation. Maybe you're praying over something here in the local area. I just pray today that the Spirit of God would continue to breathe into your lungs and cause you to pray fervently. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Let's hear what Jesus had to say about this prayer that he has taught us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 says, And when you pray, 
I, I just love this because Jesus was not assuming that you're not praying. It's not if you pray, it's when you pray. And so he says, and when you decide to pray, because all of us are going to come to a place in our life where we are going to have to pray. Prayer is going to be a requirement and not a luxury. We all know that, right? And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Good advice. Don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. In other words, their motivations are not pure. They're doing the right thing for the wrong reason. He says, I tell you the truth, they have already received their reward in full. I love this, but when you pray, go into your room. I want to pause for a moment and point something out. I believe there is something powerful when we create sacred places for prayer. I think location matters. Not that that place is necessarily more holy than any other place, but I do like the habit of coming to a certain place in my home. There are places in my home, there are places outside my home that I pray on a regular basis. There are places inside the building here. When I find myself in those particular places, I'm reminded to pray. It's a place of prayer. It's a place that reminds me to pray. A prayer room, a prayer place. And he says, when you pray, go into that place of prayer, that place that calls you to prayer, and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And he says, and when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. He said, don't be like them. For the, This is so encouraging. Listen to this very carefully. Even when I read it at the 9 o'clock service, I just said, I hope the people of New Life Church are listening right now. So I want you to listen right now. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I want you to hear that today. I don't know if you believe that or not. Some of you may believe that we're serving a distant God who's got bigger things to worry about than your personal concerns. And I have good news for you today. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So this then is how you should pray. And then he launches into the Sermon on the Mount. So we see it here in Matthew chapter 6. We see it again in Luke chapter 11. We're going to look at both of those throughout this series. But I want us today, can we just pray this out loud together? We just read it out loud with me together to get the prayer deep into your heart. Some of you grew up praying this prayer. Some of you may be hearing it for the first time. But would you say it out loud with me, right? Let's read it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on say this with some zeal your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one and I love this last part for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
Now, if you were reading along with me in your physical Bible, you may have recognized that that very last line is not present in all of your translations. And it's present in some and present in others. There's a debate among scholars about where that actually fits. I'm going to leave it in there because I like it. And if you don't like it, you can see Pastor Daniel after the service. But I like this particular text being right here. I think there's a debate. I like it. I think it's a great ending. It's a great, great way to say amen. And now Jesus is a person of prayer. We know this. And Jesus introduced a way of praying that was revolutionary to the world. In fact, there's like 64, verse, 64 words in five verses here, the most prayed prayer in the history of all humanity. But Jesus modeled a life of prayer. In fact, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus refers to prayer 42 times. He, he talks about prayer. Prayer was at the center of who he was. And the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record him personally praying 28 times. In other words, the writers of the Gospels were so moved by how he prayed and the results of his prayers that they recorded so many of these prayers. They were caught up in the moment when Jesus would begin praying. So let's go back now to Luke chapter 11. Let me show you the other place in the Gospel where we see this because something else, Luke records a different setting. He says, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Notice again, that there's always a location. Almost every time you hear about Jesus praying, he had gone to a place of prayer. He says he was praying in a certain place, and when he finished... Now, it's a little creepy to me that the disciples were always eavesdropping. Can we just all agree with that? But the disciples were fascinated about how he prayed. And it's not like the disciples had not been taught to pray. If there's ever been a praying people on the planet... It was the Jewish people. The Jewish people had recited their prayers. They knew how to pray. They, they could quote the Psalms and the Torah. They knew all the prayers of Moses and of Abraham and of King David. They knew how to pray, but they had never heard someone pray like Jesus. And then when they heard Jesus pray and the language that he used when he prayed, it moved them. So when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray the way you are praying. Teach us to have that conversation with God the way you're having the conversation with God. And so he begins to teach them. And that's what we see is some of the teaching in Matthew chapter 6. So Jesus points to two things before telling us how to pray. And these are very practical things, and I want you to catch this today. And, and I think it's actually going to take a lot of guilt off of some of you. Some of you have maybe feel a little insecure praying in public. Maybe you feel embarrassed about praying in public. Maybe you don't know how to pray out loud. Maybe you want to pray over your children, you just don't know how. Maybe you want to pray when you're with your group of friends, but maybe it doesn't come out of you very well. And so I just want to give you something practical, and I want to give you some starter steps today to becoming a person of prayer. Number one, Jesus talked about being sincere. So it's not how eloquent you are, not how polished you are. What Jesus finds remarkable about our prayer life is when we believe what we're praying. When we're praying with the right motive. So you're not praying to impress your friends. You're not praying to impress the boy you hope will ask you out. You're not praying to impress the people around you. You're praying out of sincerity. And he says, beware of people who love to be seen by men. In other words, you can kind of show out when you pray. 
It can, it can actually be a, a bit of a, a badge of honor sometimes by way, the way you pray. I just want you to know God's not impressed with that. God's impressed with our sincerity. In other words, I mean what I say, I pray what I mean, and it comes out of me in a sincere way. And then he says, be concise. Be concise. You don't have to have paragraphs and books of prayers flowing out of you. Three or four words. In fact, if you read, we just last Good Friday, we were looking at the seven last sayings of Jesus on the cross. Almost all of those are prayers. They're all prayers. And notice how concise they are. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Lord, it is finished. <laughs> Three words. A prayer, it's finished. So it's not the number of words that impress God. It's, it's our sincerity. It's our ability to be concise. He says, don't keep on babbling. Don't just go on and on and on. In fact, let me just tell you this. Every dad in the room knows that when your kids really want something that they don't need, they tend to overwhelm you with words. Come on, all the dads in the room know when you're getting a sales pitch from your kids, right? And how does it come out of them? It's an exhaustion. It's in a massive amount of words. They have gone to extravagant lengths to sell you on an idea. And about three minutes into it, all the dad radars, is, well, the mom radars figured it out a week before. The dads, come on, all the moms know that. Dads are a little slower, but once the, the amount of words will not determine my decision. So why is it that we come before God the Father who knows more than we do, and we think that we can change God's mind by overwhelming him with verbiage? No, just be concise, be, con be con concise, be sincere. And so when Jesus started praying, I think what really fascinated the Jewish people is how Jesus prayed personally and intimately to God. And so he opens up this prayer with a very familiar four words, our Father in heaven. This word Father is Abba, what we would say Dad or Papa. The, the, it's a very intimate word. It's a very familiar word. It's a, it's a word of adoration. It's a word of trust. It's a word of love. Our Abba, our Papa, our Father in heaven. For the Jewish people hearing this, they've never heard anybody that would come before God with that kind of personal language. God to them was holy, way too holy to address like that. God was way too enormous. Remember, the Jewish people, their idea of God was on Mount Moriah or up on the mountain with earthquakes and fire and lightning. That was God to them. But to know God, there was a handful of people that had interacted with God, Moses or, or Abraham or some of those people, but for the average person praying to God, that was inaccessible to them. They could not come before God and use the word Abba. But here's Jesus, who is the Messiah, the Son of God who's been sent to the earth, and they all believed, or most of them were in the process of believing that he was the Messiah, and to hear him use that language was uncommon for them. In Genesis 24, this is the kind of language they would have been accustomed to. So Genesis 24 says, O oh Lord, God of my master Abraham. That's not our Father in heaven. O oh Lord, God of my master Abraham was giving tremendous reverence to God, but it was not personal. Second Chronicles 14, O oh Lord, our God. That's the familiar language of the Hebrew prayer. But what we find when we read the words of Jesus, in fact, I'd love for you 
to spend the next couple of weeks going through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And every time that you see Jesus praying, stop and notice who he prays to. Because in the New Testament, when Jesus prayed, he only prayed to the Father. There's one time that we can maybe see that he didn't address the Father, but he was already in the context of another prayer where he had said, Father. So there's not one example in the New Testament where Jesus prayed that he didn't first say, Father. Matthew 6, he just says, when you pray, go into your room, close your door, and pray, I love this, to your Father. Notice how personal Jesus makes God. He's not just my Father. Jesus could have said, go to your room and pray to my father. He didn't say that. Go to your room and pray to your dad, your papa, your Abba, the God who has come for you. Not just the God who sent me, but the God who has come for you. The God who is drawn near to you. Pray to your father. That's powerful. And then one of his most probably tender moments. I mean, there's not a more vulnerable moment except for the cross that Jesus prayed than in Matthew 26. He is in the Garden of Gethsemane. I've walked through this garden. I have seen where Jesus probably knelt by the olive trees. And, and in this vulnerable moment, listen to how he addresses God in this one of the most famous prayers of all the Bible. My Father, if it is possible... May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. This is an ultimate act of submission. And why could Jesus submit to this father? Because he knew the father cared about him. How can you come before God and humble yourself to a dad? Because you have already seen and known that he is your father. And then he says the second thing, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed. You see, Jesus is not just reminding us that God is this, you know, this celestial grandfather that wants to give us everything we want. So Jesus is combining a very personal, intimate language with very holy language. So he says, yes, God is Abba. God is Father. You can come to God like a dad, but don't forget, he is holy. And the word hallowed means, in the Greek, to be holy, to be set apart for a special purpose, to be sacred. It's the way kids, this is the way, the way I think about prayer, is the way kids respond to a grandfather versus a father. Notice all the granddads in the room, I watched when my dad became a grandfather for the very first time, and I did not recognize him. He became a completely different human being. My dad would look at me, and I had a good dad, I, I'm, I'm grateful for my father, good dad, but he lost his mind when he became a granddad. He would do things for the grandkids that I never did for me. He gave them stuff to eat he would never give to me. Granddads lose their mind. There's something happens in them. And sometimes we want the grandfather, we just don't want the dad. Actually, when you pray, you get both. You get this intimate, personal connection, this, this God that wants nothing but the best for you, but you're also very aware. I'm praying to a holy God. I'm praying to a sacred God. And so Jesus shows us this beautiful tension in our prayer life. And the Jewish people understood this a lot more than they understood Father. 
They understood Hallowed a lot more than they understood Abba. So when Jewish scholars copied the scriptures, they selected a new pen. When it came to the place in their writings where they had to write the name God, first of all, they would not write the entire name. Oftentimes it was dashes or one letter and then a, a blank because they just didn't see that the holiness of God was something they could write out. But when they came to that place in their writing, when they were writing out the Psalms or the Torah, they chose a new pen with which to write God's name so they would not dishonor God by writing his name with a pen that had already been used. This is how much attention they took, how holy God was to them. So after using the new pen to write God's name, they broke it so it could never be used again. This is where I believe some of us need to get back to not just seeing God as Abba, but seeing him as holy as well. And so we come into his presence. This is what's powerful about prayer. This is what's powerful about a prayer life. We come into his presence knowing that he's the ruler of the universe and he had created the stars and the heavens and the, the oceans and he created everything in front of us. We know that he is hallowed but he also welcomes us as sons and daughters. And Pastor Daniel did a beautiful job of explaining that a moment ago. That's what happens in baptism. There is a burial. There is a resurrection. But most people don't know what the third thing is, and there is an adoption. There is a welcoming into the family. There is an adoption that happens, a seal. The Bible says he puts a seal on your forehead by the work of the Spirit, calling you sons and daughters. When I was a young man, I was wrestling. I grew up in a Pentecostal home. And I love the fact that I you know, grew up in a Pentecostal home because I just felt like everything on the, in the Bible was possible, right? I thought superhero was still a you know, possible job uh, that I could have when I grew up. I just, I just thought everything is possible and I've so appreciated the fervency of the prayers, the move of the spirit, things that would happen in my church that stirred my imagination. But the, the negative side of growing up in the Pentecostal homes that I grew up in was that a lot of times it be, God became legalistic. And I could not see him as father as much as I could see him as holy. And I was wrestling with the tension. I was trying to understand God as father, God as approachable, God as my dad, my Abba, and God the holy one who would come to judge the living and the dead. How do you build the tension in your mind between those two things? And I was a young man, and I, and I, I love history, and I, was, I, I come across this photo of President Kennedy. This is in the 1960s, so it was around, it was before the time I was born. So this is over 50 years old, and the, the story behind this photo is pretty fascinating because this is in a very tense moment in his presidency. He had a lot of pressure on him. He was a very young president, as you know, and the world around him was changing, and he was having to make a lot of decisions about civil rights, about the Cuba issue, and there was a lot of things that were pressuring him at this moment. But when he heard his children outside the Oval Office, if you read some of the biographies of President Kennedy, this is one of the things I love about him, when he would hear John Jr. and Caroline outside the Oval Office, he would clear the Oval Office and invite them into his office. And I love that he's standing clapping. And his kids are dancing. They're in the Oval Office. And they are dancing. Everything in that room is expensive. Don't break anything. And here they are dancing on a rug that costs more than my house. Right? And they're dancing around because why? He's not 
commander-in-chief, he's dead. Yet they are in the most powerful office in the world. And, there, and the tension here of Oval Office, presidential suit on, but kids dancing around the desk is exactly how we come into the place of prayer. I come into the most powerful place in the universe, the presence of God where everything is possible if I only would believe. And at the same moment, I don't have to lose my innocence. I can approach God without fear, without trembling. I come before him because he wants me near him. He's calling me near him. Hey, clear the office. Brady, come here, Brady. I, I can't wait for you, Brady. Come on, come on, Brady. And I heard when I saw this photo as a young man, I could hear God inviting me into his office. Come, no, Brady, don't, don't shrink away from me. When I, when I hear you pray, Brady, it makes me want to draw you close to me. It makes me want to cause you to dance. This is the place for prayer. This is our Father in heaven who's approachable, Abba, but he's holy all at the same time. And this is why our prayers are more important than ever. And I hope, when, I'm, when, I, when I walk you through this prayer, I hope every syllable, every phrase of this prayer brings new life to you. So this week, when you find yourself saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, I hope you pause and remember that he's Abba, and he's holy, and he wants you to come near to him. Would you stand with me this morning? Stand up with me. We're going to come to the table of the Lord in just a moment. But I realize as I share this message, I, I share a lot of great stories about my dad, and I, I honor my father. I love my dad. I lost him in 2005 to an early death, and I loved him. He did a lot of great things. He wasn't perfect, though. In fact, it was only after I became, really, in college that he became a believer. So I didn't grow up with a dad who loved Jesus. A good dad, just not a godly dad. And so I've had to wrestle. We all have dad wounds. No matter how great our dad was, we have to walk through this. And maybe there are some of you that had a devastating relationship with your father. And it's hard for you to imagine. It's, it's much easier for you to see Hallowed than Abba. It's much easier for you to come to grips with God being holy than God being good. And I just want to encourage you today to wrestle that to the ground because God is both good and he's holy. And it's only when you believe that God is good and God is holy that your prayer life will ignite, that you will come powerfully and persistently and often into the presence of God. In fact, I believe one of the reasons most people don't have a regular prayer life is because they're not convinced that God is good or that God is holy. And that's why Jesus started the prayer with these two phrases. Before you can pray anything else, our Father in heaven, who is good, hallowed be your name because you're holy. Can we just pray together? Would you just close your eyes for a moment? Whatever you need to confess before the Lord, I'll give you a moment to do that. And then we're going to sing a song about being God being a good, good Father. And I want that, maybe some of you need to think, say that out loud today. Maybe you need to pray this song out loud for the healing in your soul to begin. But the Lord comes today to tell you he is good and he is holy and he wants us to come near to him. 
The Father in heaven, we thank you today. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Can you just say that out loud? Let's just pray those first two fr phrases back this morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, I pray around the room right now that healing would begin. I pray you would ignite us to be a people of prayer, of intercession, fervency, to come before God with undivided attention. Father, you are good. That I know to be true. And Father, you are holy. And for that, I am very grateful. Let's sing this song together in just a moment. I'm going to come back and lead us to the Lord's table today. Let's sing this song together and prepare our hearts. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think your life and I heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and he tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I am loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. I've seen, I've seen many searching for
take the bread out of the top and then the juice. There was, there was not a more significant time in the Bible where God became personal and holy than on the night that he was with his friends. And he knew it was the last time he would have a meal with them. And he did something really personal. He took a piece of bread, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. And they all ate together. And he took a cup they all drank from the same cup. There's nothing more personal than sharing a cup. But in that moment, he said something holy. He said, my body is broken, but it's going to be the reason that the world finds healing. And he said, the cup, while it's common, is actually going to be the place where all of you find grace. So as we take this cup today, be reminded today that God is both personal and God is powerful. He's holy and he's good. Father, we thank you today for the bread. We take this bread today and Lord, we look around our world and we know it needs healing. And we put our hope and our trust in you today for that healing. Would you take the bread with me? And now the cup. Come on, let's sing it again. Let's just lift up our voices. Let's you, praise him that he's good you today. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. I send you out. I want to introduce someone to you. 
This week we get to do something really, I'm so excited about what's happening this week. Uh, we're going to relaunch our New Life Young Adults Ministry. And I want you to invite to the stage right now someone brand new to our staff, Pastor Eddie Hoagland. Come on up, Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie comes to us from his wife, Christina, and their three children just moved here from Chicago. He was a pastor at a great church right outside Chicago, but the Lord has called him to here to be with us. I love, that, I love this about him because he's such a natural fit for new life. His mom and dad are missionaries outside Mexico City. So Eddie is half Mexican, half American. He's bilingual, speaks English, Spanish, and prays in tongues, so he knows three languages. <laughs> the, uh, the, and his, uh, his wife, Christina, her dad is an Air Force Academy grad fighter pilot, retired Air Force. So I think they're a natural fit for New Life Church, right? Missionaries and retired Air Force, there's not a better fit. We're relaunching New Life Young Adults Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. If you're between the ages, if you're in college, the college age up to 29, this is a pivotal time in your life that you need to be more connected to the church than ever before. So Pastor Eddie, why do you feel, I, mean, I, this, I want him to say this to you, because he says it better than me, but why is this decade so critical for our kids right now? Yeah, well, like you said, in this age group, um, a lot of people are leaving church, sadly, in this age group, and that's because their faith is being challenged and their life is changing just so fast. So many things are changing in those years. And, uh, and so that's why there's a need, there's a specific need uh, to be a part of a community of believers in this age group. And so we have a passion for this age group. We're excited to be relaunching because um, we believe God's, God has great things in store for this, this Eight, decade I, of people. I'm so grateful, mm -hmm. amen. Yeah. My, my children, I have a 20 and a 22 year old, both of them are gonna be a part of Young Adults. Tuesday night at seven o'clock, come, be a part. And I love what you said at the 9 o'clock. You didn't yeah. say it at the 11, but yeah. say it at 9. Give them the yeah. challenge. I want you All to right. hear this. So here's the challenge. Whether you've attended before or if you've never been to Young Adults, my challenge to you is this. Come the first five weeks, okay? Because in these first five weeks, we're going to be talking about what are we dreaming that we want to become? What are we believing God for in this ministry? And if you join us and commit for those five weeks, I believe the Lord has great things in store for you. So join us the first five weeks, and we'll see you starting Tuesday night. I love it. Come All on right? up here, Pastor Daniel. We're going to pray over him. His, uh, his wife, Christina, had to go home. They have three, three little kids, so they needed a nap. So they, and I need a nap after this, but I, so she took to the kids. But can you just point your hands toward Eddie and pray for his wife, Christina, and their three littles as they join us in this ministry. Father, we bless this man, and we receive him. We welcome him. He's a, he's a man that you have sent to us. His family has been sent to us. So Lord, today, as stewards, we receive him. And we ask now that you would multiply him and set him apart for this assignment. Fill him with the Holy Spirit. Grant him wisdom for every decision that's ahead of him. And I pray today that he would minister out of a full soul. That his heart, his mind, his imagination, his body, Lord, would be at fullness when he ministers. And Lord, we pray you would, Lord, we would see college and 20-somethings come back to the faith. We pray that college and 20-somethings that are wrestling with the goodness of God, with the holiness of God, with the, the authority of the scriptures, with the work of the Spirit, Lord, whatever they're wrestling with, the person of Jesus, we pray that their eyes and hearts would be opened. And Lord, that we would see revival and renewal and Lord, restoration and reparation, oh God, in the hearts and lives of college and 20-somethings. So we bless Eddie now. We receive him. We welcome him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All of you believe that? Say amen real loud. Thank you, Pastor Eddie. All right, Pastor Eddie, is your first assignment. 
you pray over us as we leave today. Just open up your hands. Eddie, bless us. We bless you. Bless us back. All right. And this will be our dismissal today. Father, we're thankful for what you've done here. We're thankful that we got to experience your presence and we are leaving different because of what you've done in our hearts, God. So let us be that light now as we head out. Um, Lord, we're thankful that you bless us and now we get to bless others with the same things that we've received from you. May it be this week that that's what we do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless our altar team. All of our prayer team is going to be down front. If you need prayer for anything, we have people ready to pray. Go in the peace of the Lord. Have a great day today.